Consequence Podcast Network. The Psychoanalysis Podcast explores the ways that horror movies examine mental health issues. It deals with mature and sometimes disturbing subject matter, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. It is meant for entertainment purposes only, and not as a substitute for proper therapy. If you or a loved one are currently experiencing mental health difficulties, please contact your local mental health center. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is Psychoanalysis. This is Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast analyzing the horror genre through the lens of mental health. I'm Jen Adams. I'm Lara Unterstall. And I'm Mike Snoonian. Hi, everyone. We are back with another comfort horror episode, and I'm so excited to talk about the movie that we watched. But first, we are joined by a special guest. LB, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm LB. I am 39 years old. I live in... <laughs> AS- I'm ASL. 39 years old. <laughs> yes, we, at the top, we want everyone to give an ASL. So. Right, yes. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, uh, I have a website called Grumpire.com that I am the editor and founder of. Um, we just do, you know, film exploration via short form essays. We have a podcast, but, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm such a weirdo. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I am terrible at this, too, by the way. So. I know. I even wrote it all down. Um, anyways, so today we are watching Poltergeist. And so, LB, you chose this mm-hmm. movie to talk about as comfort horror. And I'm so glad that you did because I love it. Um, <laughs> so why did you choose Poltergeist? Okay. Um, well, okay. So, Poltergeist is what I think was my first horror movie that I watched as a child. This came out in 1982. I was born in 81. I'm pretty sure that I watched it as a toddler when my dad rented it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we were a horror household, except um, my dad didn't go for slashers or, you know, like those kinds of movies too much. So, mm-hmm. like, we were a, like, supernatural ghost household. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my mm-hmm. of course, my dad was really into Stephen King, but that's, you know, a whole, a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, awesome. yeah, <laughs> so, like, I grew up into this, like, ghost um, environment, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, that is... Right, right, right. You know, um, like I, I used to hear stories from my dad how he lived in a haunted house in college, and you know, oh, so wow. it was it was like a really big part of my my childhood. So I've been mm-hmm. a ghost girl since as far as I can remember. So oh, awesome, yeah. Poltergeist has like I have very acute memories, which is strange because I hardly ever actually remember what I watch, but mm-hmm. um, I have memories of being a little girl. And like having nightmares about poltergeist, mm-hmm. like it affected me. Oh, that wow. Much. So, um, y- yeah, I-, I just I feel like that this movie is just something that is with me forever. Now, there are other mm. comfort horror movies that I could have picked, you know, like I, mm-hmm. really, I really love The Ring a lot. Same. You know, I really, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I really love Donnie Darko a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, I think that Poltergeist is the one that is just going to be with me forever. Yeah. That's cool. It's, it's a special one. Yeah. 
Um, so we've written a brief synopsis in case you haven't seen this movie or if, like me, it's been a long time since you've watched it. So we begin with the Star Spangled Banner playing late at night while a family sleeps. These are the Freelings, an idyllic white suburban family living the Ameri American dream in a prefab cul-de-sac. The youngest daughter, five-year-old Carol Ann, wakes up and begins talking to someone or something unseen inside the TV, waking the rest of the family. The next day, Mother Diane notices something odd in her house as chairs move by themselves and objects can be transported across the floor. She shockingly tests this out with her own daughter, but never fear, the football helmet will totally be enough protection. <laughs> <laughs> that night, during a terrible storm, Brother Robbie is attacked and almost swallowed by the creepiest tree I have ever seen. As her parents scramble to save him, Carol Ann is left alone and sucked into her closet, which has become a doorway to another dimension. Carol Ann is nowhere to be found until they hear her voice calling to them from inside the TV. A few days later, the Freelings have called a team of parapsychologists to help. These investigators are comically shocked by the level of activity in the house and begin to measure the phenomena. Meanwhile, we learn that the Freeling's house was built on the site of an old cemetery that was definitely completely relocated, right? right? <laughs> totally. Right? <laughs> totally. Okay, on the up side up. note even if it wasn't, that's still creepy. Anyways. Okay, they eventually call for the help of spiritual medium Tangina to help them get Carol Ann back. Following her instructions, Diane goes into the closet gateway with a rope tied around her to retrieve Carol Ann. They emerge from the ceiling downstairs covered in pink goo, but otherwise okay. Jen then cries for five minutes. <laughs> While packing up the house to move, Steve goes into the office to do something, leaving Diane alone with the kids. Wait, is Jen <laughs> crying in the director's cut? Like, did I just not get the... Yes. It's ten minutes in the director's Jen. cut. It's, it's just very subtle. It was a corner. child Jen sobbing. <laughs> For five minutes. It, yeah, it was. While packing up the house to move, Steve goes into the office to do something, leaving Diane alone with the kids. She puts them to bed, but they are all attacked again, this time by a super creepy clown, gooey closet tentacles, and a spinning bedroom. In the rain, Diane falls into the half-finished pool, only to find rotting bodies and skeleton heads, I'm sorry, skeletons floating with her. They didn't move the bodies! They, they only, only moved, moved the, the headstones! Heads. Why? 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 <laughs> Steve finally arrives home and takes a moment to yell at his boss for being a cheap-ass grave-desecrating suburban colonizer before helping his wife save their children. <laughs> The Freelings escape and the house implodes on itself. Oop. Oop, going down. <laughs> I love that addition, Laura. That's awesome. Right. I literally <laughs> just added the word oop to the outline. Yep. That was awesome. <laughs> we leave the Freelings at a Holiday Inn where Stephen pushes the TV out into the corridor so this will never happen again. <laughs> right? right? Definitely never again. Uh, um, yeah, so that's kind of our take on it. So now let's do our feelings check-in. Um, this is where we can really unpack how we are affected by this movie. And I think we can all use practice identifying feelings. So let's go around and share our first experience with this movie and how we feel when we watch it. And Nelby, you kind of already told us about <laughs> right? your first experience. Yeah. Um, which is awesome and kind of similar to mine. So um, do you want to tell us kind of how this movie makes you feel when you watch it? Um, well, I have... 
to be honest, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with this movie because I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Like, I adore it. It makes me feel really good and, and like, um, you know, just smiley while I watch it mm-hmm. because it's just it's just in there in my heart. But yeah, I also kind of hate it because... <laughs> There are parts that are just really dumb, like, <laughs> so dumb, and like you have to just um, you know suspend your disbelief a little bit at mm-hmm. times. So like I completely acknowledge that it's maybe not such a good movie, except it's a very excellent movie at the same time. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's kind of that weird mix, and I feel like in my synopsis I came down a little hard on Steve, <laughs> but I still really love him, Craig T. Nelson, and it's one of those things where I kind of. I love it so much that I kind of just point things out when I feel like they're kind of silly, but it really doesn't detract from the movie that much for me. Yeah. Mike, what about you? So this would have been like a gateway horror movie for us. Like I'm, I actually remember watching this movie in grade school in school because it had a PG rating. Like when we we would have, because we'd have movie days and it's like, oh, it's PG, it's October. Let's put this in. (laughs) Um, And on that note, like one of the movies, like what, what stopped us from being able to watch like anything that was not rated G in school was they showed the toy, which is the Jackie Gleason, Richard Pryor movie Mm -hmm. where Jackie Gleason literally buys Richard Pryor's character Right. As a to oh, be right. a toy for mm-hmm. his son. Oh god. And one of the mm-hmm. parents <laughs> one of the parents called the school and said, uh, this is not appropriate. You know? I mean, and I remember yeah. like eight year eight year old me being like, What the fuck, man? Like, you know <laughs> um, but forty five year old me being like, Yes, that is probably a very inappropriate but yeah, we would mm-hmm. we so this would be on like the teacher's like, It's PG, the kids can handle it and like you're literally at age eight, like crapping your pants in terror in like <laughs> the classroom. Um, mm. So, and I want to say that it was like one of the movies that they would march all like grade six through grade one into the cafeteria. They would have it oh, set. Wow. They would have it like set up with like theater seating. You would have snacks, and like that's what you would do that day. So you have basically like five hundred kids, ages like six to twelve watching a dude claw his face into bloody chunks yeah. while another woman is like literally swimming through a bunch of like decomposed <laughs> grinning skeletons and it was the wow. 80s man it was like you know uh, nobody cared different I times mean, baby different times i want to go to your school that's <laughs> awesome i want to know 80s. if uh like was it like a projector situation or did you just have like one small tv vcr combo was, with the strap like that you roll in so yeah if we <laughs> for 500 movie, kids if we did a movie in the classroom it was like the old school crt strapped uh-huh. down to the car with the, <laughs> with the top loading vhs you would have mm-hmm. might have even been Betamax. i don't know <laughs> um but in the cafeteria no it was like projected system like wow movie theater size screen you would get like herbie the love bug you would get escape from witch mountain mm. Like you would mm-hmm. get Benji awesome. and you would get Poltergeist. That's um, a mistake. Wow. That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one might go a little but far. It's like the best kind of mistake. Though. No, I know. I'm just envisioning uh, right. all these like mm-hmm. screaming children and them having to like deal with that. <laughs> like, right. It's like, okay, like bell, it's two o'clock. All right, kids, get on the bus. Time to go home. Right. Um, and I think what this movie does is it taps so well in the childhood fears, like, 
killer mm-hmm. clowns and like mm-hmm. branches that scrape against the windows mm-hmm. and like the other night like our dog was like are we have a little chubby chihuahua and she was like jumping up and down to go outside um and we didn't know what it was and my wife was like can you go see what that is and i'm like no <laughs> i'm not and my daughter is like that's the dog she wants to go oh. pee so but yeah it tapped so well into a lot of the really creepy things like even like the the snow on the television set like coming out of nowhere like that's a really scary thing when you're a kid so yeah um yeah absolutely like this would be uh flaws at all and i'm sure we'll get into the good and the bad but this would be a comfort Mm -hmm. horror movie for me (laughs) yeah yeah laura what about you yeah so similarly i i mean not quite that similarly, but I do remember see, seeing this movie as a child. I, I feel like it was, uh, like a lot of the early horror movies I saw, it was probably playing on TV. And like we didn't have cable, so I'm guessing it was WGN or another local affiliate that would play it mm-hmm. late at night mm-hmm. when I was supposed to be sleeping. But I would sneak downstairs and watch TV, or sometimes I would sneak downstairs and my dad would also be awake, so we would just watch movies together. Um, so I, I'm fairly confident I saw it in that incarnation. I think I might have seen Poltergeist 2 before I ever saw the first one because my earliest memories of it are the, the preacher character with the teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I definitely ended up, I, I liked this movie probably well before I, I got in, like really into horror. Um, I think it had, it really straddles that line of like family friendly and genuinely good horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, Again, like always, I can't remember the specific first time that I saw it, nor anything else, because my brain is slowly turning to goo. Um, but mm-hmm. ours all yes. are. Mm-hmm. I, I, this mo- yeah, evidenced by I couldn't even say ours all are. As like a normal <laughs> you, you know, ours all are. I agree. They, they are. Our 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 trick. Our treat. Um, Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> Uh, Mike is dying again. Uh, okay, Carrie, right, moving on. I, I I feel good watching this movie. I think it, I mean, it is super goofy and silly, but I think, I mean, it was written as a comedy and I think it actually works very mm-hmm. well as a comedy. The comedic timing and some yeah. of the lines are, are very, are very fun. And I think the filmmaking is really good. And um, the characters are oddly likable. I think it all, to, all the elements come together to make a really good popcorn movie. Uh, and it's just, mm-hmm. I can definitely see why this would be a comfort horror pick. It's got, you know, I, I don't want to say a predictable structure because it actually varies a little bit from what I would call a predictable structure. And it's mm-hmm. a little longer than you would think for a movie of this nature, but it really mm-hmm. hits these beats that um, are just sort of like soothing to watch in a weird way, even though it's like I was watching it uh, for this and I hadn't seen it in a few years and maybe maybe a year or two. And it struck me as like, oh, this is actually a really stressful situation. Uh, I mean, and of course, Uh I've always realized that, but it like hit me more. It hit different, I guess, Mm -hmm. this time a little bit. Uh, Maybe, I don't know. It's just the the general atmosphere of the world right now. I was like, shit, this would suck. Mm -hmm. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if you can't go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. this would really suck if you were in quarantine and you... um, had this poltergeist but anyway yeah so so but Mm -hmm. i do i I really do i do like this movie i think it functions as a fun horror movie a really sweet excuse me a sweet family love story and social satire which i'm um, gonna talk about a little more later so yep Mm -hmm. um yeah i like everyone else like i watched this when i was little and my parents were 
my dad loves Stephen King a lot, but my parents were not super into horror movies and were pretty strict about what they would let me watch. But this one was rated PG. So <laughs> I was like, oh, see, it's fine. It's playing in schools. So, you know, can't be bad. <laughs> and so I could let like I rented this a couple of times. Um, and then I just remember it was always on USA where I lived. Um <laughs> And so I just watched it all the time. And I, to your point, Lara, I remember watching Poltergeist 3 a lot. That was the one that tended to be on mm-hmm. in the syndication. I just remember all of the mirrors in that one. And I yeah. don't remember much of it except that Dreamy Tom Scarrett's in it. You don't need um, to remember much of it, honestly. Is it not? No. <laughs> um, I'd rather but not. I just... <laughs> Yeah, it, I haven't seen it in a it long time. It was filmed. I mean, it takes place at the Hancock Building, and I worked in the Hancock Building for two years, which is another oh, yeah. allegedly <gasps> cursed Chicago haunted site. It's also where Chris Farley died. Oh. Um, hmm. I, I, I know there's like a third thing, but all I can think of is I think Oprah Winfrey lived across the street for a while. But that said, mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> I always felt like a little bit cursed every day I went into work. Really? Mm. Also because I hated that job. But but also just cur- <laughs> just curse, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but I used to watch this all the time. Um, a big part of it was because that was just one of the horror movies that I had access to. And then I, I somewhere along the line, I just stopped watching it. I, probably around when I like became obsessed with Scream and like the '90s <laughs> slashers, and it just kind of fell. And then I didn't, I hadn't really watched it as an adult until a couple of years ago. And I, so it's really, I've only seen this once since I was probably like. 13 14 15 and I swear I pushed play and like this wave of nostalgia like washed over me and it's like oh my god I love this movie so much like the music it's just so like there's that Spielberg warmth to it Mm -hmm. you know and I know he technically didn't direct it and there's like kind of the thing about was it toby hooper and was it steven spielberg but like you you can feel a lot of like it feels like a steven spielberg movie it's just just on that note i i mean i i recently rewatched texas chainsaw massacre as well and i I like just a few days Uh ago and then i watched this and i'm like these were directed by the same person what the fuck and then it's like all right steven spielberg (laughs) like i mean i and i have like so many notes from when we did this movie for the pod and the pendulum on who directed it? Is it a Spielberg movie or a Hooper <laughs> mm. movie? And I'll say this, like there are definitely moments that are definitively Toby Hooper. Moments, yeah, for and sure. I'll talk mm-hmm. about those. Mm-hmm. And, and Laura, you, you mentioned how like this was like conceived as a comedy. And I'm like, Toby Hooper's idea of what's a comedy is so <laughs> crazy to me. Cause he, he's, he wrote Texas Chainsaw too as a reaction to people not getting the black humor of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Which I, I vibe like, with that. I mean, him and I would, yeah. I, it, sorry, I have to adjust my seat because I'm sliding forward again. Um, oh. it, <laughs> listeners at home, my chair is fucked. Uh, but yeah, no, oh. no, uh, he like his, I don't know. I just feel like we would have gotten along. Like I, I, I really vibe with the mm-hmm. like dark, dark comedy <laughs> aspects of this. Yeah, <laughs> me too. A, a little on the gory side for me, although really not really. So I'm gonna back myself up. I like a, I like a gooey um, movie, a wet movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I not so much. That tends to be like what really gets to me. Um, <laughs> but you like the descent. There, I, that's true. That's I a love very the descent. Wet movie. Yeah. <laughs> And this movie has some goo yeah, in it, and goo. it's gross goo. Mm-hmm. Um, but like now, as, as I was watching it now, and I watched it two years ago, um, I really, really connected with Diane. And I think one of the reasons that I have always kind of loved this movie, except maybe didn't realize it, was like there are a lot of really strong female characters in this movie, and like a variety of them, kind of like a spectrum. 
um, that I just really love. And um, so I was watching, and that's part of why I said I cried. Like, I, every mm-hmm. time I watch this now, I, like, have this big, cathartic, good cry. And it's a good thing. It's just, like, like this wave of emotion. Um, and I have a daughter who looks a lot like Carol Ann. Like, she mm-hmm. had that same blonde haircut with the bangs. And mm-hmm. I'm going to cut her name out, but her name is Katie Ann. So, oh. like, I was watching oh, geez, this. And I, I know. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, every time, like, Diane would, like, call to her, I'd be like, no. <laughs> Um, so, but I mean, it's one of those where like, it's, it's a good, like getting those kind of fears out kind of thing. Like I don't leave like devastated and I find it like really kind of comforting by the end of it. So yeah, this is definitely comfort horror for me. And even just like the music, I've been singing that music all day since I watched it last night. (laughs) The score in this is great. And the way that they Mm -hmm. use the score and know when to not use it is like I think one of the mm-hmm. best aspects of it. I, I just the the yeah they they know when to withhold and when to to throw in the drama. You know what I mean? Right. And it looks great mm-hmm. too. Like the scene where the way the scene in front of the closet is lit is just like the the part where Diane and Steve are kissing right before she goes <laughs> into the closet. It's like it's like an adventure movie. Like it feels like Back to the Future in that <laughs> totally. moment. It's just it's like. A- it's, it's so a, awesome. It's a it's a Dean Cundy movie, I believe. I believe Dean. Oh, Cundy is it? did he? That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween, Halloween Two, Jurassic Park. I mean, oh. it's, you're you get Dean Cundy, you're going to get a movie that looks absolutely stunningly visual. You know, just gorgeous. I love, I love so, my yeah. man. It Cundy. does. Yeah, and even yeah. some of the effects, like I don't know if all of the effects hold up, but <laughs> I mean, for like, what did you say, eighty two? I'll be yeah, yeah. eighty two. Like, that's. It looks good for 82. And it's never so bad that it takes me yeah, out. There are only you know? a few right, moments. Right, right. And, and and honestly, at least one of the two moments I enjoy for how cheesy it is. The other moment is just doesn't quite work for me, but but special just effects <laughs> yeah. wise. But, uh, you know, we can we'll get yeah. into that. Well, <laughs> which, argue, which one I, of those is the face that, like, peeling thing? That's the one that I like. Yeah. Still. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just okay. love it's I, like I, there's a shot where it's like his face and then they like cut away and then they cut back and it's clearly this like fake head, you know, um, but that, that <laughs> yeah. moment is very like a little jarring, you know, but I, I love there's nothing I love more than one of those 80s like robotic heads that like explode yeah. or do something like in the stuff and, you know, other just movies of this era. Is, I love it. <laughs> I'll never get sick of yeah. it. Yeah. And- like I would argue like a big reason why these movies have such an appeal so many years later is that with the effects, even if they are outdated or they were surpassed by movies later on, there's like a tangible quality to them. But as a yep. viewer, you know that someone created this, like mm-hmm. there's a, a tactical feel to it that you understand. And that is something that I think is like missing and i'm not saying like oh all cgi is bad and it should never be used and practical i will say that like i i understand like why fine fair enough (laughs) i understand why take (laughs) um i understand why like cgi is there but i don't think that there is that same like cgi does give you that same warmth and i would Mm -hmm. say like bad cgi pulls you out of the experience much more so than like bad practical effects completely agree Mm -hmm. i mean i i i before the pandemic i was trying to get my shit together to make another movie and my whole thing is like i'm not making this unless i can do practical effects and it delayed me Mm -hmm. so significantly that i like didn't get any balls rolling and then the pandemic hit and i was like well fuck but you know if if anything can ever Mm -hmm. come together again and you know we can ever leave our homes then it's practical effects or or the grave baby (laughs) i don't know Mm -hmm. why i said it that way well 
Well, speaking of practical effects and speaking of the grave, like the one <laughs> that gets mm. me that always grosses me out so much, and it's kind of like the ring too, is where she's mm. in the pool and the skeletons come up. And I, I don't know if this actually was true, but I always heard the rumor that they were real skeletons. Apparently, um, yeah. I've heard I've heard yeah. that too, and I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. Or yeah, and the, they were cheaper, right? Like, uh, yeah, the the, the the rumor is that the real corpses were cheaper to purchase than fake skeletons which is mm-hmm. then it would be so. i can guarantee you yeah that seems weird but in yeah. in this economy that is no longer true because i have wanted to buy a full human skeleton for a long time and they are expensive mm. <laughs> oh, interesting that's you have to make your own <laughs> you do hey i can help you with that yeah like our Ooh. gotta have a D- diy approach to, to this what are we wait what are we talking about here <laughs> oh i've got a list don't worry i've got a list <laughs> it's all bad people on it Good, good, good. I just say it to myself every night before I yeah, go to Yeah, I list all the names of my enemies as I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, that one always just, there's it's so gross. And that's, like, one of the reasons I don't want to, like, swim in open water or, like, pools that are filled with mud because it's just <sighs> so gross. And I have a friend who told me that she was boating on the Cumberland river in Nashville and discovered a body floating. <gasps> and I think that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but that might've been the genesis of me never wanting to be in water that I can't see all of, you know, but that, that part mm. at the end just always makes me so uncomfortable because it's so gross and you don't know how many skeletons are down there. <laughs> and even if they're not real skeletons, like they feel like they're real, you know, <laughs> um, and I should say there's a cursed films because um, I feel like we're not going super hard with like the the behind the scenes and like a lot of the info um, but but there's a lot of information out about Poltergeist and the cult, the cursed films on Shudder um, is pretty good and then I'm going to link a couple of like things you should know about mm-hmm. this because we're just not I just don't want to spend a ton of time talking about I that feel kind like of stuff because talking about the curse of Poltergeist is its own episode you know like it's its own thing yeah. it is yeah. yeah and yeah and it goes very um like it's I don't sad know. I mean it's, it really is tragic like there's it really so many is sad things in this and so yeah right and it's weird to talk anyways that yes for another day <laughs> So now let's talk about um, some, we've kind of been inching to this, but like, what are some of the specific things that we love about this? And in my mind, this part was going to go where we talk about our favorite parts, but like, what is the Mm -hmm. thing that we love the most about this movie? Or if we could think of like a scene that we love or something that really, really works for us, what's, uh, what's like a favorite part we have? Uh, Well, okay. So we mentioned the comedy aspect of the, the film and I, watched this um not for the show but i i just happened to watch poltergeist like a couple weeks ago and that was the time that it really hit me how funny this movie is the thing i i really love the most is uh towards the beginning and uh the canary has died tweety is dead Mm -hmm. rest in peace and they have the little funeral outside in their little flower bed and uh, <laughs> yeah, that little coffin is so I know. sweet. It's really sweet. And Car- Caroline's there and she says her little prayer, you know, now I'll lay me down to sleep, you know, that that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost immediately after she's done, she turns to her mom and is like, can we get a goldfish now? Yes. <laughs> you know? It's a wonderful just, comedic uh-huh. turn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is mm-hmm. hilarious, but even more hilarious because cut to. Carol Ann in her bedroom feeding a goldfish. So, so like they've gotten mm-hmm. it like immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's just adorable and cute to me. Um, 
I think maybe that is my actual favorite part as far as like just feeling really nice mm-hmm. um you know other favorite parts of course the tree um my <laughs> my husband tells this story where um he was in grade school or you know middle school or something I don't know he's a bit older than me but he uh was living in an air force base in England I think at the time and uh, he had to write a short story for one of his classes, and he totally plagiarized the tree scene. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher thought it was, like, the most creative, wonderful thing ever. Oh, because she hadn't seen the movie? <laughs> she hadn't seen oh, the wow. movie. So um, we always chuckle at that scene when we watch the movie because we are like, yeah, way to go. Way to go, Andrew. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway. There are a lot of scary moments in this, and yeah. I find I forget about them. Like, I'll be watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, that clown, and like, oh, <laughs> the tree, you know? Because, like, uh-huh. as you were talking about the face peeling off, I completely mm-hmm. forgotten that that part was in the movie, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. there's just so yeah. much. I had know? also yeah. forgotten that scene until I watched it just before we recorded. So, you know, I was like, oh, I mean, I remembered it as I was seeing it, but I was like, I completely spa- I. One thing I noticed about this watch for me was that, you know, I think you notice different things as you get older with this movie. Like, I definitely locked Mm -hmm. on to certain parts as a child and as an adult watching it. I'm like, oh, I'm way more in the mindset of the parents. I'm way less worried about the tree or the doll. And I mean, there's other things, just the, the, exi- uh-huh. the existential nature of the thing. And he's, you know, uh, the, the, the one parapsychologist character saying like, there's, you know, they're so alone in the light and uh, Zelda Rubenstein yeah. saying like, you know, they're, it's like a waking nightmare from which there is no <laughs> escape. And like, and, <laughs> and I just, I'm going to talk like this for the rest of the show. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> This pole is clean. I, she, yeah. But it's not. No. no. That's true. It's the opposite. Uh, I hope they're, not, yeah. oh, they're not paying her, right? <laughs> they need a refund. I didn't close the deal, Tangina. Yes. You didn't close the deal. Exactly. Like, you yeah. did the opposite of close the deal. Tangina only gets paid in cash. And yeah. there are no oh, refunds. no. I, I definitely like Craig T. Nelson's chest mm-hmm. hair. It's definitely one of the highlights for me. Like him. Yep. Um, I just think like the very laid back and nature of like the relationship with mom and mm-hmm, dad mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. there's this real tenderness there, there's a real affection there between them. Um, just them like sparking up a joint, lying in bed, enjoying <laughs> mm-hmm. themselves, you know? Yeah. Um and it's like you can you definitely buy in to that family dynamic. And I know like watching it now as an adult and as a as a parent that you know, is raising like a spooky daughter. Um, you know, prior to recording tonight, Ader and I were listening to like a scary podcast together to kind of get in the Halloween mood. Um, and like when he's comforting his son about, you know, counting thunder and counting mm-hmm. the, how long it takes um, between strikes, it's like, it just struck me as like a universal dad thing to do and how some things are kind of timeless Mm. overall and Mm -hmm. there is that spielbergian warmth to the film overall which is offset again like it feels like when spielberg left a set to go do you know prep work on et then hooper was like all right now we gotta rip some things yeah it's like steven spielberg is like i'm gonna set up Um, the most lovable family with a really genuine and warm dynamic and then toby hooper's gonna torture the shit out of them (laughs) and it's gonna be awesome (laughs) 
and I mean, it's effective, you know, because mm-hmm. you feel like this is a real family. Yeah. Um, that thunder scene, like that has stuck with me. Do you guys do that? Do you do that mm-hmm. when you hear like storms coming? Because I, I, I yeah. Yeah. totally, yeah. I'm a very, yeah. like, I, it's so stupid, but I get very anxious when there's any kind of even rumble of a thunderstorm because I got stuck in a storm once as a child and out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. uh, with my parents in the car. And it was mm-hmm. like, a tornado was really close and it almost touched down right by us. And we all, and I was like mm-hmm. on the floor of the car. Anyway, this is an incredibly boring story. The point is, is I, <laughs> it just, it's like some primal thing in my brain. I'm just like, nope, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, I'm like, that's where I get my witch powers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got stuck in this in a storm the other day because it was lightning, and I was like, I have to go walk in this lightning. <laughs> it's probably not very safe at all, so don't do that out there. Yeah, you know. But yeah, that's the thing that I think I love the most about this movie. And I like growing up as I've been going to therapy and kind of thinking about the house that I grew up in, like this was not the kind of family that we had. Um, My dad was, I've talked about it before. My dad was a narcissist and very like angry a lot of times. So kind of like the opposite of Craig T. Nelson, who I, I was a huge coach fan. I love, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I would vouch for Craig T. Nelson today because I haven't really pulled on that thread, but I loved him in this and like was kind of into him back in the day um (laughs) but then like I look at Diane and she I I she's just the best mom aside from like just using her like putting that football helmet on her kid and like here you go you know um but like it's that's even kind of like exciting you know like I feel like she kind of goes with her kids and she like doesn't she's not so stiff the way that I kind of grew up and like one of the big dynamics in my house was that my mom didn't really like stand up for us much you know and like she kind of did but like I've really started to realize how much I really wanted her to kind of be there for me in a way she wasn't and so I watched Diane now like she goes into like we don't even know like she walks into what could be like her death Mm -hmm. and to get her daughter and that's why like I think it makes me cry because she like comes out and she's got her daughter and they're just cradling her. And it's like this, this sweet little family dynamic. And I think like, I, I just have always kind of wanted a mom like her. And so when, when I watch this and like, Oh my God, it's so sweet. And I mean, I don't know if I really want to pull too deep on this, but I mean, it could be part of why I named my daughter that like, it could be somewhere in the back (laughs) of my mind, like reparenting Mm -hmm. myself or something. That's, that's probably deep therapy thoughts for another day but, you know I, this was just uh, it's a very idealized family and I think that's yeah. but uh, but that feels real yeah, they, it, it feels like they're they're there with their foibles and all and they get annoyed and they get you know but but they love each other I think the love is what comes through and I think it makes me a little sad too mm-hmm. like my my I mean my, my family was I guess it was fine but my parents like hated each other they despised each other it was mm-hmm. not a great you know, super loving environment. I mean, they loved me, but I always felt very put in the mm-hmm. middle between their their issues, you know, whether intentionally or not. I mean, it wasn't intentional. I, I don't think that they plotted this. But, you know, mm-hmm. so when, he, when I see families like this on screen, it's sort of bittersweet for me because it's like, you know, so I, I, don't, I totally get that. But I, I really like these people, you know, like, and I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that makes you want to come back to it is you like spending time with them. And, and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like stock characters. A lot of times these horror movies that imitate this kind of horror movie Mm -hmm. feel very much like stock characters. It's one of the reasons I actually liked Insidious. Speaking of ghost movies, super cheesy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's part of, as far as if you're going off of like the more contemporary wave of ghost type movies, but there's something in the dynamic between Patrick Wilson and um, 
I think Rose Byrne is the character, the, the actress's name, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but it feels very genuine. And yep. I, like something, you know, if you just get two actors with chemistry and the relationship and the dialogue feels genuine, that goes so far to for me in making me love a movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you say Insidious because I remember in like 2015 when they announced like a Poltergeist remake, I'm like, why Insidious exists? <laughs> like, and I thought that was like the best example of like if you're going to remake mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Yeah, because you got City, that team. You know? Yeah, and it's like put a right. different spin on it. I if mean, you're just going to remake this, it's just going to be like like a rehashing of things that were done better <laughs> in the first place. Right. So, Elby, you had, you had mentioned how you kind of have like a love hate uh-huh. relationship with this movie, and I, as you know, wondering, you know, is someone like you know, the grumpire can often go against the grain <laughs> yeah, a yes. little bit, and there and, and there are no sacred cows. Right. Um, what is it like when you watch this movie now as an adult through maybe like a more critical lens? Like, what is it that you're like pushed okay, back against? Okay. Well, um, I'll I'll answer that in a second, but I do want to address the Poltergeist remake for a second because. This is part of my contrarianism mm. <laughs> that is, is in relation to the Grumpire. Um, all right. So I have sort of a reputation for um, defending remakes. Mm-hmm. I really like the Poltergeist remake. I don't hate it. To be fair, I really like I've it. never seen it. <laughs> okay. I just I, assumed it would suck. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I, I've seen it and I immediately forgot that uh, I watched it. Well, it, it's it's different. You know, it's not, um, it doesn't have the same like Spielbergian feel mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it doesn't have that like warmth and whatever. But what I do really like about it is the family dynamic in uh, like put into a more modern setting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the movie has to do with like the housing crisis and, um, you know, uh, you know, having a bad economy you know the dad has just lost his job so he's struggling to keep his family together you know because like there's that pressure on him um being you know the man of the house the breadwinner you know Mm -hmm. like that societal thing like that's addressed you know so there's there's a lot of things about the poltergeist remake that are really interesting to me and i think it's worth watching um Mm -hmm. and worth watching with um an open mind, <laughs> but, but who's the dad in it? It's um, it's Sam it's Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam Rockwell. okay. Well, I'm gonna watch yeah. it. And Rosemary yeah. Dewitt is that yes. right? Yeah, Rosemary Dewitt, who is charming in almost everything she does. Yes, I, I love her so much. So. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there's modern updates like um, the Tangina character is played by Jared Harris, and he's like a <gasps> he's a right. he's a paranormal investigator who has a TV show. Oh, that's fun! You know, so he's like one of one of those, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's there's also a scientist um, played by Jane Adams. Um, who is also delightful in almost everything she does. I think um, she might be on Frasier. <laughs> I think she's Mel on Frasier. Was I she? I don't know. I didn't really I, watch maybe. Frasier. So. <laughs> I love Frasier. But Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just remember her from like Todd Solon's movies. So, Oh, but, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are not, not quite <laughs> no, as good. No, not quite, them. but she does really well in them. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll say that. Yes. We'll give her that. Um, but, yeah, anyway, Um. so the remake... You know, love remakes or hate them or whatever. You know, just just go ahead and watch them. They're fine. It's it's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I'm I agree. I'm interested in the social side of it. Like you mentioned, setting it mm-hmm. in the housing crisis. I, I basically had this thought that hadn't occurred to me while watching it this time, 
was because a few mm-hmm. a few episodes back we discussed we did a double header on Fright Night in the Burbs, which was you know, and we thematically linked to those movies because it was all about suburban malaise in the eighties, and you know, um, mm-hmm. and then I was thinking about the Fright Night remake that sets it also during like kind of the housing crisis, and you have right. this sort of decimated. Which um, I- I also love cul-de-sacs. That one. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I I mm-hmm. liked it. I, did, I don't like it as much as the original, but I did enjoy it. And then, but th- this movie, I mean, let's say it opens up with the Star Spangled Banner playing, right? And it, mm-hmm. um, you see Craig T. Nelson reading a book on Reagan. So it's very much rooted yep. in that, like right, right, post Reagan, right, right. you know, or contemporary Reagan, like aspirational thing um, of like we're gonna the American dream big time. Um, and it's really a complete criticism of the ersatz like fucking like you know hollow shell nature of the american dream and it's not something that mm-hmm. hits you over the head with it um it, it very mm-hmm. it, but i mean just the idea of building these prefab identical houses on a place where the bodies are and they never right. moved the bodies i mean like you couldn't get a bigger mm-hmm. i mean you couldn't get a more like on the nose um re- right. read of america right and especially to yeah, put that right. out at the mm-hmm. at the height of like 1982 when people were still drinking the kool-aid for that shit mm-hmm. i mean it's really smart mm-hmm. and it's something that it's like i've definitely thought about that before of like um you know the idea of like you know, bury, you know, you hear ghost stories like buried on ancient Indian burial ground. And like, yeah. th- mm-hmm. there is this sort of shadow of like genocide and all the original sins of America. And he talks about the tree coming up and how right. it's, it's almost like, like that's the, the bones of America and it's telling you what you did last summer and it's going to, they're going to fucking get you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I think there's a really, I just think it, it's something that hadn't hit me so much as it did this time around. And right. I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I think it, it give it another level Bru- for me. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Kuyper of of Bloody Disgusting and Dread Central and Ghastly Grinning, like we were discussing this movie on my other show, and he brought up the point of like looking at looking at it through the lens of like how this home being built on top of a graveyard, it's really like a damnation of like the things that as a country we really had not grappled with over the decade prior. Mm-hmm. Like we really hadn't come to terms with like what our loss in mm-hmm. Vietnam meant and like really the pointlessness of that mm-hmm. war. We hadn't really grappled with the fact that like under the Reagan administration, you're seeing like this erosion of FDR's mm-hmm. New Deal and kind of like the social service net now, this, this basically be the safety net being pulled out of, under from a lot of right. folks, mm-hmm. that civil rights right, being right, right. eroded, that we're ignoring all of these things for this kind of like big jingoistic rah-rah, isn't America great? We're the signing, shining city on the hill, and Poltergeist is really ripping these things away and kind of like literally like here are our ghosts and our skeletons right. like not of the closet but like yeah. buried under mm-hmm. the it's house. brilliant it's actually really brilliant <laughs> like i just it's like yeah it I is love it. like yeah. really adds value to this movie for me especially at this and moment it, in time <laughs> yeah it's great how subtly they do it too mm-hmm. like it doesn't hit you over the head with it like it's not like exactly giant mm-hmm. yeah uh, you watch it and you see those things like like what you mentioned with um you know steve reading the reagan book and all that stuff but like um you don't really know what their politics are like as characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that that Mm -hmm. adds value because you can assign your own interpretation, you know, Mm -hmm. to to however you, you, you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it doesn't take you, you it doesn't take you out of it. It sort of Trojan horses, these sort of progressive thoughts into a a movie that everyone can enjoy because ghosts, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really smart. 
Yeah. And I'd always kind of taken it as like, I don't think they really have much politics, you know, which I mean, a lot of families that don't have to think about politics very often don't. They, they just kind of read exactly. this Reagan book mm-hmm. because it's at the grocery store mm-hmm. or something, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. so I think that's very like indicative. Um one of the things, and I kind of mentioned it a little earlier, but like Carol Clover in Men, Women, and Chainsaws has a whole chapter about this movie, or this is kind of one of the, like her entry way into, ha, um, ironically, into a chapter about possession. And mm-hmm. um, and it's been a while since I've read it, so I might get some of this wrong. And I think like people know Men, Women, and men, women, and chainsaws for like the final girl slasher theory. But like, it's really interesting the way gender works in this movie or gender identity works in this movie, because like you see Diane as the story goes on, she gets like more vibrant and like more alive. And she's like really going with it. And like, kind of, she's like excited by this new mysterious thing. And like Mm -hmm. Craig T. Nelson looks like shit Mm -hmm. by the (laughs) end of the movie. And so it's like this kind of commentary about like, um, and I mean, it's it's was written in the 80s and the, the movie was made in the 80s. So there's a little bit of date there and a little bit of like gender stereotype. But like, it's just it's interesting, like exploring the the spiritual, unexplainable, unquantifiable elements of kind of the natural world rather than the like the. I, I guess what would be coded as male, like the science and like mm-hmm. the disbelief, unless I can see it with my own eyes. So that's something that I like, that's, that's my jam when I can like kind of read <laughs> that kind of stuff into a movie. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, also, Joe Beth Williams has the most amazing hair in this movie. <laughs> and I just like, even when there's the little streak of gray is like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's just amazing. Yeah, she's she does. A, uh, very, I've always thought she was beautiful in this movie. And every time I watch it, I'm she like really more and more jealous of her, but yeah, that's my own problem. I know. She has really great style too, <laughs> mm-hmm. like that 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 early eighties, like just wearing jogging shoes and, you know, short shorts and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Like that's just so mm-hmm. cool. And she looks great. Yeah. She really yeah. looks great. Mm-hmm. What like an attractive but kind of accessible looking couple? Yeah, they exactly. Are, you right. know, Ca- just, like just cash. Like we just yeah, showed just up. Cash, we just like... rolled out of bed like this. This is just who we are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She like somehow dyes her hair that quickly, and all of a sudden, like she's got this great blowout. Wow. <laughs> well, she got yeah. That was a, bl- a supernatural blowout. Like it got dried by the uh, winds mm-hmm. from the other. Of course. Dimension. Yeah. From the closet. <laughs> the yeah. I was just gonna say that scene is one of the one of the things that I could pick apart about this movie because like Tangina mm-hmm. <laughs> clears the house and then the kids come back, but like that mm-hmm. night, um, they're like, okay, we're moving tomorrow, so just make sure everything's ready. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> she goes to dye her hair. There's like, there's everything still in right. the bathroom. Yeah, there's yep. everything still in the kids' room. Like, how are you moving the- tomorrow? You're not moving tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, a s- why would you spend another night in that house? That was my point. Yeah, it's why like, would you put your kids to bed in that room? <laughs> in the same room? You don't even all stay in the what, like downstairs right. in the living room or something. Like, I come know. on. Yeah. This well, we're forgetting the house is clear. Mm. Okay, or clean. we we, <laughs> so. we need to talk about Tangina in a moment. Um, yeah. Okay, we, so. And I, you know, right around the time I saw this is probably right around the time I first saw like Eddie Murphy's Delirious. And, you know, there's like a line in that one of the few lines as a kid I, w- I should have been able to watch where he talks about how, you know, like you have these families that go to these haunted houses. And he's like, look, if it was my family, you know, the first time we walk into like the Amityville Horror, it's like, get out. All right, look, we're moving. We're out. Hit the, you know, we're, you know, we're out the door. Like, why do these people stay around? I just, you know. I don't care if it's been yeah. 
Queer. There's a, a slight plug for this uh, guy on Instagram who does comics named Alec with Pen. And mm-hmm. he is currently doing a series that he's calling Haunted Housewife. And it is like just playing with all those tropes. And it mm-hmm. is the funniest goddamn thing. Like, just go look it up on the gram. Extremely funny. Alex with Alec, Pen. A-L-E-C with Pen. Mm. And uh, just really good. Like, there's like a wife and the guy's like, the house is fine. We put a lot of money into it. And she's like, there's blood coming out of the closet. <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's, it's, I'm doing it injustice. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Well, and that is something that I'm always fascinated about with haunted house movies. And it's part of why I love it because there's that tension of like everything we own is here and all of our Uh savings are tied up in this house, which I think the Amityville horror maybe does like explores a little more. And that's one of the things I I think you're right. I did really enjoy about the remake. I think I wish they had followed that through a little more than they did. Um, But it's also been a long time since I've seen the remake. Um, but is there any other things that we want to mention, things that we really love, any characters or any things that just, well, that, or maybe things that we're not so crazy oh, about that we haven't Tangina. mentioned yet? Tangina. <laughs> I, I, do, I, Tangina. I love Tangina. How do you feel about it? Mike? She's <laughs> one of the most useless characters in horror movie history, and she's an absolute charlatan. Like She's like, all right, yeah. my work here is done. House is clean. How do you not notice like if you're this great psychic paranormal <laughs> expert? I don't think this energy would just be gone at that point. How do you miss that? That is just like. Well, that, that... well, if your definition of clean is there's no little girl stuck in the TV anymore. I mean, give her some credit. She, she did right. help get Carol Ann out of the alternative dimension. But I mean, I don't I think that that's kind of beside the point. You know, I mean, I like, yes, she's totally a charlatan. But I mean, that performance is fucking iconic. Like the moment, the moment she steps out, your eyes are on her. She's got that voice. She's, she's, I mean, and just the character choices she made for, for Tangina, like Tangina, I know mm. Tangina sounds weird, uh, but it, like, <laughs> she, cause like, you know, like sounds like vagina. Anyway. Um, I'm, yeah. I just wanted to <laughs> really spell it out for you. V A G. Nice. Um, uh, <laughs> No, but I mean, like, it's just an iconic performance. I think a lot of people, at least for me, especially as a child, like one of the main things I remembered about this movie was her. And she doesn't really show up until the last like 30 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. uh, or so the last yeah. act. And I mean, that that is star mm-hmm. power. That's star quality. You know what I mean? Like, and she's she and just the, the way she, they have her dressed and everything. It's just like one of the most magnetic and fun performances, regardless of if yeah. the character is a charlatan or not. No, I, I agree. I think like her performance is so good that it distracts from the fact that that she's terrible at her job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. like me at work, yeah. you know? Right. It's kind of like how <laughs> John Hamm's character in Parks and Recreation, like, le- oh, he lasts yeah. for three years on the job because he's John freaking Hamm <laughs> yes. until the mistakes mm-hmm. add up enough where he gets fired, so. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, I just love her so much that I kind of do overlook. And it was like (laughs) watching it as an adult. I'm like, oh, no, but it's really not clean. But who I love is Dr. Lesh. And I Mm -hmm. like her, I think, every time I watch this more. Um, because she's like the leader of this team and this was like in 1982 Mm -hmm. and like she's such a strong character I love that she has this look to Mm -hmm. her but she's not like a sexy scientist who like wears glasses you know like she (laughs) she looks like a real person you know and like the conversation that they have about death with um Diane and Robbie I I really can't remember exactly what they say but it just feels so like soothing and kind of uplifting to me in the midst of this really kind of terrifying Mm -hmm. terrible situation and I think it's one of the things that keeps the movie from really 
getting down to kind of like Duke levels of like parent fear to me. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she plays like a, she becomes a really good friend to Diane, mm-hmm. you know, she kind of enters mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. scenario, not knowing what she's getting into, but having had this lifelong interest in parapsychology. And then she's like, Oh shit. But she doesn't lock in on the ghost. She locks it on Diane. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm going to be here for this woman who is going through a huge crisis and whatever I need to do mm-hmm. to support her. And you don't really see relationships like that in film a lot, you know, especially, right. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, obviously, I, lo- I love horror and I love genre films, but it tends, <laughs> you know, they tend to fall into certain categories and stock characters and, th- and that she is an unusual character. And I like that, that you could have seen that character being a man in this context and uh-huh. it changing the dynamic a lot. And I really, I don't know, I just, that whole team of parapsychologists are real fun to me. I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. all their performances. On that note, I, I love one of the setups there where you have one of the parapsychologists talking about how they record the phenomenon where like a toy car slowly moves across <laughs> yes. the room for eight hours and it's such a wonderful mm-hmm. setup to the, the punchline where they open the door yeah. and it's like the last act of fantasia going on in there. Like it's, <laughs> it's so funny mm-hmm. that gets me every time it's such a good gag mm-hmm. the like the, they, they do is. so many setup jokes like set like set up punchline moments in this movie but it, it, uh-huh. it never feels hacky you know it always it, it works yeah. it's it's really good <laughs> like and it's Craig T. Nelson that just straight, like his deadpan the whole way through and then just like, mm, yeah. mm-hmm, and then just opened the door. <laughs> the line that I noticed this time was when um, Dana and um, the daughter, Dana and Diane are talking about the Holiday Inn and Dana's like, oh, I remember that brace. Yes. And the mom's like, yeah. what? what? And I'd never noticed yes. that before. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. 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 So as we're kind of wrapping up our discussion, um, do we have any kind of final thoughts about this movie? And like we've kind of talked about why this is comfort horror, but is there anything else we want to mention about what comforts us so much as we watch this movie? Like I think I watched this movie and it just, I think the music really, I, I just, that really kind of taps me into that. I remember just being young and watching this and like a lot of the stresses that I don't have right now I didn't have and it's it's just such a fun like warm movie to watch but with a lot it's like an emotional ride Mm -hmm. for me which I always dig um but it ends on like like I have my good cry I get it out of my system and then I'm ready to move I would say it's a cathartic movie it's got that it gives you just enough drama and just and the stakes feel really high and then when they when mm-hmm. it when it all plays out the way it does, it's such a classic like it's a happy ending without being a schmaltzy ending because it ends with mm-hmm. like the whole house getting destroyed and then being covered in goo <laughs> right. and going into a hotel. Yeah. Like, well, that fucking sucked. Uh, so I it's agree. just it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I think it's like it's a, a kid friendly horror movie that isn't afraid to not talk down to children. And yeah. it comes mm-hmm. from an mm-hmm. era like Amblin Entertainment in the 80s um, where you had a number of titles that like took it didn't take kids for granted and it allowed them to be empathetic and smart and able Mm -hmm. to digest like complex thoughts sometimes i think that's interesting i don't think you get that in kids movies or family movies as much nowadays i think that it's like very kind of much more schmaltzy and much i hate to say dumbed down um Mm -hmm. but i just feel like it's made like things are made like a lot simpler uh, for yeah. kids at this point. Yeah. Now, I'm not a parent. I'm not. Like, so, like, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people have the opinion that, like, if you don't have children, you can't really talk about how to, like, raise children. 
Oh, I. No, but I'm I, going I, to I anyway. Go <laughs> for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, we we um so we have a friend and he has a five year old now. It's a five year old boy. And he's always talking about how he can't let him watch certain things because he'll have nightmares. And, like, then he has to deal with the kid having nightmares. Mm-hmm. And mm. I'm like, you know, sorry, first of all, that's your job as a parent. You have to mm-hmm. do yep. that. Um, but the thing about um, that is, like, movies like this are you're able to let your children watch it. And if they do end up having a nightmare from it, you can talk to them about it and, you know, help them work through it. Um, I was fortunate, like, as a child where my parents let me watch kind of anything. And I feel like that that has made me mm-hmm. um, more accepting of things or, like, more able to deal with things as an adult. So, like, I really kind of have a pet peeve when I hear people ask the question of, like, what's a good horror movie that I can, you know, show my kid? And I'm like, show them anything. Show them Hellraiser. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they won't. <laughs> you they, know like your they, kid. Yeah. Like, they won't necessarily understand what's going on, but you can help them. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know your own child and you can, like, help them through it if you need to, you know? Like, right. So. And I would only. Uh, this, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. You go ahead. Sorry. I thought you were. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then, anyway. no, 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 it's fine. But I, yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, I, as a child who was super afraid of horror movies, I do think it was important mm-hmm. for me to discover my own boundaries right and I right I, right I think that's I mean I, I also don't have children um I just have my dog that's all I have on this earth but uh <laughs> and he's very small and he eats his own shit uh which is, doesn't speak highly of me <laughs> as a parent but my point <laughs> hey I was there too it's hard <laughs> I have to I have to race after the poop as soon as it comes out of his butt now anyway mm-hmm. oh no what am I getting at the point is is bound boundaries boundaries you need to you need right. to save this right. for the patreon you really need <laughs> I to know. we'll have a Lara's poop, dog poop update poop corner. Corner. um but <laughs> just I, I agree that like I mean obviously you don't you don't want to like force anything on your child that they're not that they don't themselves think that they're ready to see but if you never let them test those waters they'll have a harder Mm -hmm. time developing their own ability to articulate their boundaries and I think that horror movies and movies and and media in general are one of the safest ways to navigate those boundaries versus Mm -hmm. just being like well go off to college slap them on the butt you know. <laughs> right. Um, well, I was going to go back to what you're talking about, about your friend who doesn't want to deal with the child having nightmares. Like you kind of there's that element in the movie where like they're just kind of they're smoking and then mm-hmm. Robbie's awake and like put him back to bed. And I could kind of understand, like, I just want you to go back to sleep. But like they take the time to work through it with him. And it mm-hmm. turns out the tree is actually evil. But like it's just such a kind moment, you know. Right. Right. And like I think about myself watching this as a kid. And I'm so grateful that I had this because I think like we've talked about how horror can kind of help children put a face to fears that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I think this really kind of did that for me. And I'm only really just kind of now starting to realize how effective this movie was for me because it just gave me this kind of it showed me this kind of family that I wanted and kind of helped me like just channel my anxieties and my fears, you know? And if I had not had this, if like I had not been able to convince my parents to let me watch it, or if it had been rated PG-13 or R, like Mm -hmm. I would have missed out on that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I am someone that like I let Ada watch just about anything with this. Part of me worries that like part of the joy of being a kid was like finding that forbidden fruit. 
like going to the video <laughs> going to the video store hoping you had the clerk that would let you rent anything <laughs> or like going into your friend's basement and like watching like I remember like watching a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 on like HBO in our friend's basement because like parents just left you alone but my dad like and mom would not have let me watch that at that age but you know latchkey children um but i have let a so part of me wonders if i'm letting her like miss out on that joy of discovery but also (laughs) like if she is setting her boundaries and her limits and what she likes and doesn't like and the only time i'm ever like i don't know if i want you to watch that is I wonder if she might be in an age where she might not quite appreciate it. So like mm. Blair Witch Project uh, was one where I'm like, I'm not sure because of the pacing of mm-hmm. it and, you know, the shaky cam. Mm. But I'm like, well, we'll try it. If you don't like it, we'll turn it off. I just didn't want her yeah. to like five years later say, I don't really think I'm going to like it. Um, when yeah. she turned, That was me with The Exorcist. Yeah. Well, when Ada turned right. 10, she's like, I just want to watch The Exorcist on my birthday. Oh, wow. And I'm oh. like, I don't know. <laughs> what a like, good kid. What a good kid. Movie. <laughs> Like, pace, <laughs> you know, the pacing of it. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? Like, fuck it. It's her birthday. Let's let her do it. And she loved mm-hmm. it. She thought it was, like, the best stuff. So Yay! she, um, you know, and, like, Ada is, like, smart enough to get, for a 10-year-old, pretty analytical about a movie and, like, the themes mm-hmm. of it and what's going down. Um, so it's really fun to watch these things with her. She's also learning to set boundaries. Like, she loves haunted hayrides. And mm-hmm. she, Every fall, her school does like a haunted hallways where you walk through the halls. And it's like an actually really well done haunted house done by the kids and like adults. Like I have volunteered for it. And my goal was to make kids cry and (laughs) mission mission accomplished. Um, But I took her on a surprise like one night to like a home haunt where like people decorate their yards. And as mm-hmm. soon as I said it's a home haunt and it was like out in the open and not protected, she wouldn't go in it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess we're just going home, you know, like, and I, you know, part of me was upset, but also part of me, I told her like, I'm really proud of you because like you had a boundary. You said, Nope, I don't want to do this. And you said it. Cause I know that like in a few years, friends, boys, men, Mm-hmm. the world at large is going to say you need to do this thing and she's not mm-hmm. going to want to do it and i want her to mm-hmm. be able to say like no that's not cool i'm not going to do that yeah that's great. But it's, really... it's important to learn those things learn them now when she can come to you and talk to you about yeah. them yeah. then when you know i think about that with my kids like i'd rather than be upset about something now mm-hmm. while i can help them mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that comes down to knowing your kids you know Like I can recommend uh, like a movie, but like, I don't know your kid like you do. And like, I look at my Mm -hmm. own two and my daughter, like sweet girl is my own child and is starting to develop some anxieties. Um, And so I am going to be more cautious about what I show her, even though she's older than my son, my son kind of just doesn't really dig too deeply into things the way that she does. And it just, it's like, you know what your kids can handle and when you think they are in a place where you can like push their boundaries a little bit and, and mm-hmm. give them that chance to test them and when you maybe just kind of back off a little bit and it's just you know you kind of just got to feel it out um that's interesting I, I didn't 
expect this conversation to take that turn, but I think it's really <laughs> fascinating. And we're talking about a movie that's about a family, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. and it's and maybe one of the strongest families in horror, unless I'm missing something obvious. I feel like this is one that I forget about, you know, like I, I don't know if maybe it's the Steven Spielberg aspect of it, but like mm-hmm. I don't some th- part of my brain compartmentalizes it in another space than mm-hmm. general horror. That's you know? fair. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that that would be a fun Patreon thing to do. Would just rank the best and most like well adapted families. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> from like from worst to yes. best, like Texas yeah. Chainsaw yes. Massacre to yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Fireflies. That well, would you be would fun. have like the Lutz family and Amityville Horror would be the worst family. Mm, um. Yeah, <laughs> given what we know now. Yeah. Um, well, so now let's kind of transition into our uplifting moment. Sorry. We peaked it again. Okay. <laughs> oh, we did. Um, so it's been kind of a stressful few weeks. And I want to also say we are recording this in October, just for the record, for everyone. Yes. We're not into November yet, <laughs> if the world is upside down. Yeah, God only knows. Love knowing that civil unrest is uh, just around the corner. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, but so it's been a little stressful. And um, I think we all really just need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. Um, and self-care is really important right now. It's always important. But I feel like right now it's really kind of key. Um, and remember, self-care can be anything that makes us feel good or makes us feel better. Um, it's going to be different for everyone. And it's not always going to be the same thing that works for specific people. Um, it could be watching our favorite movies or eating some leftover Halloween candy. Um, anything that makes you feel better when you do it. Um, and we can also talk about some of the things that help us get through the days or the times when we're feeling low. So does anybody have anything they would like to share this week? And. I can start if that's okay. Deafening um, silence. Uh, We're all <laughs> I know, yeah. struggling. So, somebody, I, I, well, I do want to call out that someone sent us a very nice message. A listener sent us a message on Instagram saying that he really appreciated you, Mike, talking whatever the last episode was about how you've been struggling with self-care. And how mm-hmm. you know, I remember mm-hmm. you were having a, a not great week and, and you were pretty open about it. And he was just like, I felt yeah. that way too. And I felt like similar to how I was talking about feeling crazy for still being careful with COVID, you know, and all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so it was just really nice to hear from someone that like, even when we don't have a, a great piece of, you know, a great chest, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh my God, nugget of wisdom. I was going to say like a wise chestnut. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> a water yeah. chestnut. We don't have a water <laughs> chestnut of wisdom. Um, pe- people. crunchy. Pe- yeah. It is. I was going to say it's oh, kind of want water chestnuts now. People, people so appreciate good. it. And, 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 you know, so yeah. I think that that's, you know, for certainly for me, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was just to, you know, connect with people on this kind of shit. So it was just good to hear. And yeah, carry on. Jen, did you have something you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, I have a pretty set morning routine that someday I guess I will go into, um, but yoga was part of it. And when I hurt my hand a couple of months ago, I couldn't do yoga. Um, and I have just started doing it this weekend. I use a free podcast called free yoga download and it's the longest ones are like 30 minutes. Most of them are around 20. So it's like a real doable one. It's like a range of different, like there's from Hatha all the way to like power yoga and like 
handstand clinics and like there's a real range of it some of it is video some of it's just audio and there's pose guides and it's great and I have noticed that I feel better um it, it's kind of hard to make myself do it sometimes but then once I get past the making myself then I I really do enjoy it and I feel kind of better for the rest of the day maybe not it's not like necessarily in my face like oh everything's sunshine and roses but like I I don't the lows aren't quite so low, you know, Mm -hmm. that said, my hand is starting to hurt again. So Mm. I'm getting real nervous and I'm thinking maybe I, maybe I might need to do every other day or something. I I don't know. I need sidebar that you can edit out, but there, there's, there are definitely some poses and sequences you can do that don't put as much pressure on the hand. So I would advise because I, 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 a couple of years ago, I like sprained both of my ankles and I found all these Pilates videos that were like no foot pressure Pilates. And I guarantee you there's stuff that's like similar if you have a hand injury or something Hmm. like that. Cause I think that that's, you know, and that way you can just make it more gradual. Anyway. Yeah, because it's like the downward facing dog. That's yeah, a lot like of that can put the go to. I have issues with my yeah. shoulders right now, and even some of those things will be like too much after a minute, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I'll, um, I'll say for, for me, I, I've similarly been um, starting to work out a little bit again. And, uh, you know, to me, it's the number one thing that helps with my depression and anxiety. And again, like you just said, it, it just basically takes the edge off. I don't feel quite like I'm swirling down the drain. Um, and it's been hard because I tweaked my back and, you know, and all this. And so I'm having some of those similar issues. And, and I, I really thrive on structure and not being able to go to classes has been a struggle for mm-hmm. me. Um, so it's but it has every time I do just a stupid video for 30 minutes, it makes such a huge difference in my mood that I'm really only saying this out loud. Like I'm going to really try to do it every day, at least a little something so that I c- can help myself not go insane. <laughs> yeah, just in general, just like. I've been trying to like take time at night to like turn off screens and maybe like throw on like I really love like storytelling podcasts, especially mm-hmm. ones with like, episodic mm-hmm. chapters. Oh, I was going to recommend so... that I just discovered it, and I, that's what I've been listening to. I forgot to mention that the Masonic, the what Masonic, is, it? Um, is that what it's called? It's I just started listening to it. Uh, it is the uh-huh. the Magnus Archives. That one is mm. really good. Yeah, that Magnus Archive is mm-hmm. really good. My wife and I have been listening to like the White Vault in bed together like we'll throw on which is like really like if you like the thing i think you would it's like kind of like a found footage podcast that's very similar to the thing um it's really fun um and i ada and i just started listening to one called parkdale hunt and we're going to try one called the hollow which is about like it's basically like an update of like the legend of sleepy hollow with like three sixth graders trying to um chase down the legend of like the headless horseman so just really fun um yeah fun spooky podcasts that are done like radio plays like Mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. 100 percent my jam so i would you know i find those like is a really good way to like relax i've also just been like cutting back on counseling a bit like trying to like if i need to take a few less clients for a week then i'm like yep i'm gonna do that um just for my own kind of self-care if i feel like ah, i just don't have it this week then i'll take a few less and and uh, make them up later yeah i'll add to that um one of my favorite things to do similar to a podcast is i try to find audiobooks on youtube mm-hmm. um one I of love my audiobooks. one of my favorite finds recently is david warner reading the haunting of hill house Ooh. <gasps> mm. 
It is Ooh. special. It is very good. So I would recommend that. Like, it's definitely on YouTube. If you don't have access to, like, Audible or anything like that, mm-hmm. like, you can find a lot of those types of things on YouTube. That's awesome. Um, yeah. d- definitely recommend that one. I just listened to, um, I can't remember who read it. It was a woman, but I listened to The Haunting of Hill House. And it's ah. very, like, soothing. Like, mm-hmm. the, the her prose is just so gorgeous. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I listened to N, which is a Stephen King short story, and that is mm-hmm. on YouTube. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, and it's about obsessive-compulsive disorder, which <laughs> we could maybe down the road talk about. Um, <laughs> but it's just very, like, soothing, you know. And I, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone ever listened to The Historian. Um, is that the one with the vampire? Yes, it's basically it's like a modern update of like Bra- where Bram Stoker's Dracula is told in that uh, all through letters and exchanges. And I'm try- I'm blanking on the type of novel that is now. Epistolary. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so it is um, very much done in that vein, but it's done with a whole cast of characters. So you have different people reading different parts, and it plays more like a drama. Really? Uh, and it's real. Like I've read the book, but then I found the um, audio book of it. And I remember when I used to have to drive a lot for work, like I would just put that on driving home, like very late at night in pitch black darkness and like getting the, <laughs> uh, getting creeped out. So that's what I would strongly recommend. I'd love that. Um, well, and since we're recommending a bunch of these, I just started to listen <laughs> to um, The 13 Days of Halloween, which is from Aaron Mankey. Um, I am generally not a huge fan of like a lot of like produced audio and sound and like the different sound effects. I really just kind of like somebody to tell me something, but this is done really well. And it's kind of got Keegan-Michael Key as like the crypt keeper kind of role. And it's it's really good and like 20 minute podcast and it's free. So, you know. Um, well, so we want to hear what you think. Um, we have a homework question for you to kind of get the conversation started. So, okay. Our question for this episode is what is the first horror movie you remember watching? Um, uh, but you can also just share what you think of the movie or the episode. Do you love Poltergeist 2? Um, what was your first experience with it? How does it make you feel? Who's your favorite character? Um, and of course, you can share your grounding and self-care with us, too. The more tools and tricks we build with that, I think, the better off we'll all be. Um, and it helps to normalize the different ways we all cope with hard times. And, you know, hopefully the hard times are we're moving through them, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, knock on wood. But <laughs> please, you know. please. I know. Please. Okay. Um, I just, I, I got, but, I, I literally <laughs> knocked my microphone. I got so into oh. how much I wanted to beg the universe to just stop. Carry on. Oh my goodness. I know. I keep just wanting to yell at my phone. Stop, stop. it. And that's when I just need to put it away. Um, but you can share these with us on Twitter and Instagram at psycho a pod. Um, you can also share in one of our two Facebook groups. Um, the psychoanalysis podcast support group is where you'll find all the official questions and prompts. Like basically everything I just said will be end up being like a question of the day kind of thing. Um, but you can also kind of put your own stuff in there. Like it doesn't have to be something I posted. You can post like something funny you saw, um, or something you're thinking about. Um, you can also share in the psychoanalysis, a horror therapy family group. That's a listener created one. Both groups are private and moderated and they're filled with some really amazingly supportive people. I know that I say that every week, but it's true The people in these groups just blow me away with like how kind and compassionate and supportive they are. Um, and you can also email us at psychoapod at gmail.com if you just want to share with us privately. Um, and so for next week, 
we have another topic episode, which is kind of what I've been talking about or referring to when we talk about like our theme for the month. Um, We're continuing our discussion of grief and we are going to be talking about the invitation. Karen Kusama's invitation. Um, We'll be talking about the whole thing because we really need to talk about that ending as well. You can't talk about that movie without talking about the ending. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you watch it if you are sensitive to spoilers. Um, The topic is going to be grief again. Um, And I I think, you know, it might be a little on the heavy side, but we will make sure to end with an uplifting moment also. And I'll tell off-color jokes. Here and there. <laughs> <laughs> and I will make pirate jokes. So, Good. you know, I just can't. And again, can't I, will, <laughs> I will censor myself so I'm not. Ah, <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's our episode on Poltergeist. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. LB, we are so yes. glad that you could join us. Yeah. And thank you so much for picking this movie. Because this was just <laughs> such, like, I really just kind of needed to watch this movie this week. Because well, it, it was just. It was like a warm little blanket. So, uh, <laughs> well, you're thank welcome. you. Uh, it was great. Um, we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us and a lot of other great pods on the network, like the Losers Club and Halloweenies, at consequenceofsound.com. And you can also find a lot of great articles and reviews on music, movies, other pop culture, um, all kinds of stuff. So make sure to check it out. Um, LB, where can yes. we find you and what kind of things you have coming up? Okay, um, you can go to grumpire.com. That's, uh, it's like vampire or empire, but it starts with grump. <laughs> so. I love it. Like a grumpy vampire? <laughs> yeah. That's very yeah, grumpire. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to suck your blood, I guess. Sorry. I'll- right? <laughs> right. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> very di- disaffected. Yeah. Like, not, yeah, just oh, whatever. It's, it's It's whatever. <laughs> 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 no, no. Um, that that is my website. Um, uh, you know, I have a group of uh, writers who are, uh, you know, they're really great. They're maybe I don't want to say misfits. Like, <laughs> I started the website because uh, I felt like film critique needed a little bit of an alternative voice, and like in that, hmm. I mean, like. I was seeing a lot of film writing where it's just like, oh, this movie's so cool. It's made by these cool people and it's got these cool stars in it and it's just so cool. Oh my God, watch it. It's cool. <laughs> but like no no like really in-depth analysis of like what makes the movie cool, like what it, it mm-hmm. actually is about, you know? So I just kept seeing all this stuff and it's just like positivity. I'm, I'm not knocking positivity, but like <laughs> right. ju- just like – uh, needless positivity like like mm-hmm. and and is insi- insistence upon positivity that I was like this is just this is not film criticism you know yeah, yeah. so I was like I'm gonna make this website and I really want to have fair criticism to everything you know so mm-hmm. like that was that was my goal um we have a podcast it's the grumpire podcast you can find it everywhere um that the show is basically like we have a guest on and uh, the guest brings us two movies the first one is a movie that he or she does not like but is generally beloved by the masses 
So we go into why this person does not like this movie. <laughs> you know, it's not just a, you know, a way to shit talk a movie like a lot of people mm-hmm. do. Like, oh, it's so bad. It's a piece of shit. No, mm-hmm. that's not what we do. Like, we actually go into the reasons why this person doesn't like it. And then the second movie is what we refer to as the alternate, which is a, a, a movie that's thematically similar in some way. Like, it could be, you know, the same topic, the same director, you know, just whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That movie is the one that works for this person like so we Mm. go into like i guess it's a compare and contrast of like Mm -hmm. why this works and why this doesn't so that's that's our show but um, that's super fun i love that idea i really because i I, there's a lot of sacred films that like yes cinema bros of the world seem to love and that i feel Uh very confused and upset by so i super support this concept well that's that too and also like um one of the reasons why i really wanted to do my website and do the show in particular is that like i see a lot of people um voice that they are afraid to say that they don't like something and i think that is utter bullshit Mm -hmm. like you should not be afraid to say that you don't like a movie a movie (laughs) (laughs) you know like you know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, and people shouldn't be dogpiled for not liking a movie yes. either. So, yeah, yes. this this is my way of like trying to, uh, just stop people from doing that because it's ridiculous. Right. I love that. I love yeah, that. the only time it really ever bothers me when someone says they don't like it, it's really all about the tone. It's like mm-hmm. if you make somebody feel stupid for liking something. Well, yeah. That's when it's wrong. But yeah, I mean, we there are so few perfect movies. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be something wrong with 99% of movies. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> it's fair. Like, I think in one of our last episodes, we talked about, like, superficial positivity. Or yeah. I can't remember toxic the words positivity. you used, Mike. Yeah. Toxic, yeah. toxic <laughs> yeah. positivity. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, that's at a certain point, a you just stop. Yeah, you, st- you just stop believing anything the person is saying. You're mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. I saw this movie. It's not perfect. Like, I just watched The Craft Legacy. And there's a lot of things that I loved in that movie and a lot of things that I really didn't like in that movie. And I think Mm -hmm. it's fair to, like, talk about both of those things. And I kind of see the horror community kind of struggling through that right now, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, I didn't like the ending. That doesn't mean I hated the movie, you know? Right, right. So, anyways. And if you don't like a movie, that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't. And it doesn't mean that I don't have to like that movie or, you know, yeah, I think there's a lot of room for that kind of disagreement. And that's I think that's a really kind of important element that you're bringing to the the broader conversation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, Mike, where can we find you? So I have a site called I Love Every Movie. <laughs> and fuck you if you don't. Back, um, backslash and fuck you if you don't. Dot right. HTML. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, you obviously you can find me here, but also our other show, The Pod and the Pendulum, which, man, we're coming up on 100 oh, episodes. Wow. Kinda That's awesome. Blowing my mind right now. So um, we are... And I've actually said to to my co-host Jerry, like he's like, "Do you want to do Texas Chainsaw next?" I'm like, "I need to not do like a super research heavy <laughs> movie for a little while. Mm-hmm. Let's do like Urban Legend, and I think we're doing Urban Legend, and then um, the Crow franchise, um, is which I've never seen <laughs> nice, any nice. of the Crow movies, so that's going to be really. Yeah, oh wow, okay, yeah. really. Well, get your leather pants on. <sighs> I don't fit in them anymore, so... Um, I'm sorry. The, um, no, I'll just wear, like, the jock strap or something like that. I don't know, and the gimp mask. <laughs> nice. Um, we, we are dressing up at my office tomorrow because it's, um, well, it's 
the day before Halloween, so we're mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. wear costumes. So I'm going to wear a Minnie Mouse outfit, but um, I was thinking about doing like the crow makeup with, yes. with my Minnie oh, Mouse. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I was tempted to do like Brian Blessed in Flash Gordon um, and just go to school like that tomorrow, like including the short <laughs> shorts and the suspenders. Um, and... Let's support yeah, that. that was. I definitely was tempted to do that. I think I might just frame a picture of him in that outfit on my desk and just put like "dad" in the frame and see if anyone catches on. <laughs> no, but anyway, you can find me at the Pod and the Pendulum. We do all horror movie franchises. Um, we are going to start in 2021 doing some months that are going to be more theme oriented than franchise oriented. And we're going to do like February is going to be like French extremity month, for example. Ooh. So, yeah, we're going to be too much. For yeah, it's going to be, you know, because I am like one of those people that like to me watching martyrs is like watching a woman get punched in the face for 40 minutes. And like, that's not appealing to me. So that's going to be one mm-hmm. of those like sacred cow horror movies that I'm like, Meh, not really my thing. Um, but mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that and just seeing what else we can do with the show um because there are things that i really love about it but i'm like can i do this if we're covering leprechaun and the answer is probably (laughs) no um you can follow me at uh mike underscore snoonian uh over on twitter and i also run the socials for pod and pendulum at pod and pendulum over on twitter well laura where can we find you You can find me on Twitter at underalls, U-N-D-E-R-A-L-L-S, like the edible fruit-flavored <laughs> panties you, you wore as as a for your hot date, but then you got stood up, and now they're just they're just melted. They're just melted down there, oh. and it's sad, and it's sad, and you're gonna have to go home and take a hot shower. Uh, <laughs> you never get that stick out. Never. Yeah. Those Sorry. those those pants are ruined. Uh, I'm in stickiness. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I started this train. Hey, future I started this train. That's true. <sighs> sorry, we are adults, LB. I promise. <laughs> I'm not, and I never, and I, and I, and I never was. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Instaglum. Like, uh, if Instagram had seasonal affective disorder, and mm. I'm also sometimes on Losers Club and Halloweenies. Yep, that's it. That's that's where I'm. Hey. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Um, and you can find me at Jen Ferratu on socials, Jen with two N's. You can find me here and you can find me on the Losers Club. And I think I'm going to be on the Green Mile episode. So I got to start reading that nice. um, and hopefully covering some of the stand episodes because I'm so excited <laughs> about the stand coming back. Um, yeah. So that's that's where I am. I'm everywhere and nowhere all at once. Um <laughs> and so and I don't know why I've had the phrase and so it's come to this in my head but (laughs) and so it's come to this (laughs) Um, we had so much fun um, but now it's time to say goodnight I think I was in a mood when I wrote this Um, (laughs) because we came here to chew bubblegum and take care of ourselves and we're I'd give that an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I realized I said bubble cum instead of bubble gum. <laughs> that stays in. That stays That's, yeah, you in. can't edit that out.
Consequence Podcast Network.